Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome to another Saturday morning. Ashley Frasca in the host seat with you. Green and Growing is on right now, 95.5 WSB, and here for the full three hours. I would love to hear from you. We're a week out from Christmas, folks, so I hope you're not stressed. I hope you are taking time to enjoy the holidays and do a little gardening when the time allows. And my goodness, you've had nothing but very opportune weather to do so. A lot of good time to spend outside. 404-872-0750 is the number to get into Green and Growing. And yes, we are live here today and we'll answer your calls. Brent is playing the music and I'm just going to sit here and talk for three hours. But no, Christmas traditions, it does not have to be garden related. It doesn't have to relate to any plants whatsoever. But I would like to hear your Christmas traditions. I grew up an only child. My family didn't really have traditions, so to speak, that we did every year. I mean, sure, we, you know... We were together on Christmas morning. We always had a live tree, decorated said live tree. Um, But nothing really, you know, that involved extended family or anything like that. So I always grew up kind of envious of the very large families that got together on the holidays when there was multiple siblings and aunts and uncles and cousins, you know, lived close by and, and Christmas, whether it was a large meal or you always went out to see Christmas lights or something like that. I would love to know what your traditions were or are, and what you continue to do with your family. 404-872-0750. Start thinking about it. Put us in the right the right mood, the holiday spirit to, to kick things off. And I will not have a show next Saturday with it being Christmas morning. We are off. I believe we're probably going to be playing Christmas music right here for you on Christmas morning on 95.5 WSB. So I'll take a Saturday off, and then I will be back with you on New Year's Day to start off 2022 right. So talking about our outdoors friends and the birds, they're loving the warmer weather, and I can't blame them. The bird feeders are very, very active. So I've definitely kept my little garbage pail in the garage full of um, bird seed that has all of the nuts in it because that is great protein for them, assuming the weather's going to get cooler That's really what they need is to pack on the protein to stay warm. So I was thinking about just what we can be doing for our bird friends because I know they're looking for places to stay warm and shelter. So they're kind of hanging out in the uh, Laura Pedalum shrubs in front of my house. And whenever I go to let the dog out or walk down the front sidewalk, they kind of scatter out of the bushes. But also just keeping the garage door open a little more often because the weather has been nice and it's been dry they're kind of coming in and out of the garage, and I'm thinking, oh, please don't leave the garage door open long enough for them to nest up in the you know, insulated uh, ducts and things like that. But so ways that we can just have a more bird-friendly life, things, very simple things that you can do out in the landscape to really attract more birds and appreciate the birds that you have. One of the calls I get quite often, or even Facebook messages and questions, is why are they striking the windows? And I actually had one do that very thing yesterday as I was sitting on the couch doing a little bit of work. Um, I've got some windows in the breakfast area that that are very close to the bird feeder off the back deck. And I had one strike the window. And I saw him fly away, but I'm sure that doesn't feel really good for the rest of his day. So make your windows safer. Um, When they're hitting the windows, striking the windows, they perceive that reflection in the glass as habitat they can fly through. If they're close by and they see a reflection, they may see it as another bird that poses a threat. 
Um, and at night, migratory birds are drawn to city lights and coll- collide with buildings. So that's another good reason just to kind of keep the house dark when you go to sleep. But install window screens, break up any of the reflections on the windows. Um, you can use some kind of film or maybe a string or something like that just to kind of break up that reflective glass if you don't have screens on the windows. But that's going to be the number one easiest thing to do to avoid bird strikes. And if you have a lot of outdoor cats, your habitat is probably not very safe for birds. So the statistic is each year, outdoor cats kill about 2.4 billion birds in the U.S. and Canada. My gosh, that's a lot. So the cats are pretty active. Um, But just, you know, keep that in mind. Um, Keep the bird feeders, you know, on those really long arms or swivels or things that are away from the squirrels, away from where the cats can disturb them when they're trying to eat. Uh, Number three, this is something I feel pretty strongly about. Reduce your lawn and plant native plants, right? We've talked about, you know, making a more eco-friendly system. And it's going to be less burden on you to less chemicals, less water, less time spent mowing the grass. If you do it right and enlarge your beds and plant native things, that's going to really draw the birds. And who doesn't love seeing the hummingbirds? You know, if you can think to have something flowering most months out of the year, so many birds are going to be so happy. And then with perennials, too, when they die back, and start to go to seed, leaving those up. I know they look brown and scraggly for a little bit, but, you know, back in October, November, leaving those and let the birds pick the seed out of the uh, perennials as they're dying away, that provides just another food source. Uh, Number four, avoiding pesticides, right? So birds are harmed by pesticides through direct contact or even, you know, eating contaminated seeds or prey. So pesticides reduce the number of insects that the birds need to raise their young. And I felt bad about doing this, but when I had uh, the fescue lawn, you know, overseeded in the fall in October, it was a little late, but late September, early October, um, you know, spend all this time and money to put the new seed down, and I still have moles tunneling in the ground, and they're pushing up the tunnels. You know, the new grass seed, the roots are being disturbed, the roots that it's trying to put on are being disturbed by the mole tunnels and the soil being loosened. So I did use a seven product and it was to combat grubs because I didn't want the grubs in the soil because that's what the moles are going after to eat. So I thought, well, to get rid of the moles, I have to kind of, you know, reduce their food source. But I thought, you know, the birds really like that. They they like the grubs and things. So you kind of just have to think of the cause and effect. I mean, it could be two or three or four steps away by using one product, kind of the the ripple effect of what you do. Um, Another good one, ways to make your home more friendly and hospitable to the birds, is uh, just sharing what you see. That really helps scientists know their migratory patterns uh, with the change in weather, maybe what birds are starting to live in different areas. A lot of times hummingbirds will hang on later and later and later, and some people here in the Atlanta area report that they see them through the, the winter. So I know we have ruby-throated and some other kinds um, that if we have a mild winter, they may figure that out and not need to migrate. They may just stick around. But being able to share what you see, and that brings me to the Great Backyard Bird Count, which I got a notification the other day uh, from Cornell University that it's just two months away. And so far, every year of the show, I have uh, had you all participate in the Great Backyard Bird Count, and it's really a lot of fun. It's all of North America. It's just three days, February 18th through the 21st, that's that's four days, uh, to where we all count the birds that we see and give our findings to the ornithology lab at Cornell University. And I usually have someone from Cornell on to kind of tell us what to do. It's really, really easy. 
Um, so that's exciting. We'll be talking about that closer into February and really spending a lot more time getting to know our feathered friends. 404-872-0750 is the number. So we think about happiness, try to be happy this time of year, and you have a lot to be thankful for. And you're hopefully going to see your family, even if you're not. It's just the spirit of Christmas makes everybody in a much, much better mood. Um, but this time of year, if you get a little bummed out because it's winter time and all of your favorite things aren't flowering anymore and you hate staying inside with the cold weather, houseplants. Houseplants are something so simple and can make you happy. Listen to this. But that rose, spider plant, or cactus could still bring some happiness. That according to research commissioned by a British website called The Joy of Plants. It reveals more than half of us say we feel more productive when surrounded by a plant. 60% feel happier in general. The survey of 2,000 adults has also found that over 60% of respondents find nature calming. 44% say having to take care of something brings satisfaction. And 23% say they speak to their house plants. I was talking to it, telling it stories. I drew a sketch of it. Just don't forget to water it. Jennifer Kuiper, CBS News. That's so funny. And you know, when, when we started this show back in February of 2020, we were having a lot of brainstorming meetings with management and they, you know, had presented some research to me. Millennials. Millennials are so into houseplants, but they name their houseplants like it's trendy. They share vases. They find different colored pots. I mean, all kinds of things. So yeah, it makes you happy and you can talk to them. That's absolutely fine. So speaking of houseplants, when we come back, I will give you some tips from Pike Nursery on how to keep those poinsettias that you now have in your house or maybe you're giving to folks uh, as gifts how to keep them and make them last throughout the holiday season, maybe even into February and March if you are so lucky. 404-872-0750. Call in with your Christmas traditions. I'll be taking those calls throughout the morning right here on Green and Growing. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Unless your smart speaker starts to play by itself, then that's kind of creepy. But otherwise, if you're just driving around, you're listening to the car radio, you know what to expect. Welcome back to Green and Growing, giving you a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You're going to encounter some showers today, waking up to uh, things in the landscape a little bit wet. A high of 70. This is insane, folks. A week before Christmas, low of 49. So rain likely throughout the day. Clearing skies tomorrow, a little bit cooler, high of 56, low around 38. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So as promised, tip number one, something easy to do around the house this weekend and throughout the next few weeks, uh, keep your poinsettias happy. I don't know if you spent some good money on those. You received them as gifts. We've got one in the newsroom that I don't know how it got there here at the radio station, but I kind of feel responsible because I... I need to make sure it gets watered because I don't know who else is going to do it. So with this and a lot of your houseplants, same thing. Only water when the soil is dry. Literally stick your finger into that soil. And if your finger comes out completely dry, it's a good time to water. Water thoroughly. Don't just water enough to get the top of the soil wet. I mean, really water it deeply. Uh, don't leave poinsettias standing in water. So they come in that foil wrapped, you know, really pretty thing around the pot. Well, 
the soils or the water is going to drain out through the holes in the bottom of the pot and just sit in that so uh, in that foil. So make sure to dump that out as well. Or if they're sitting on a plastic saucer, make sure water doesn't collect on that. Don't have them by extreme heat. You know, they are a little bit of a tropical plant. They prefer temperatures in the 60 to 70 degree range. So right now you could put them outside. They would be happy. Uh, on a typical Christmas, I would tell you not to do that. But extreme heat or cold. So vents, you know, if the heat's blowing on them or drafty windows and doors. Okay. Number two, this is a lofty one, but I think I'm going to put my husband to work on this one. Make your own mulch. We've got so many branches and things in the woods by the house. Rent a chipper shredder. Turn small branches and woody perennials uh, into mulch. I think that's going to be a pretty fun task that I can sit back and watch him do. And number three, uh, complete protection of trees. Mouse damage, yeah, that may not be as much of an issue, but uh, damage from bucks that are rubbing their antlers against uh, really tender trees, new trees with a smaller trunk. Use anything you can. Talk to other people. Talk to the nurseries and the big box stores, whether it's wire or mesh or some kind of trunk guard. I've had listeners to the show get creative with PVC piping. Um, if the trunk is you know, not very big around, and of course you're ultimately going to have to remove that as the trunk grows larger and larger, but you may just have to get creative with ways to keep the bucks and the deer away from your trees. 404-872-0750. So I asked for Christmas traditions. I would love to hear some. Johnny in Clarksville is up first. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. So what's going on? What do you do? I am a pilot, a uh, private pilot. And uh, I was listening to your show. And, uh, you know, it fascinates me to uh, you know, hear some of the things that you talk about. And uh, but what I like to do is talk of going back to traditions yeah. that you mentioned earlier was that every year my dad would load his plane up and we would take toys to different charities wow. and deliver those toys. And I have maintained that uh, since he's passed away, I have maintained that that uh, tradition. So, Johnny, I, I don't know. I'm kind of picking up on some things. You're airborne. You carry presents. Do you happen yeah. to wear a red suit when you do so? <laughs> well, sometimes, sometimes. Wow, that's now really quickly. How do you find the charities that aren't local? You know, that are in need of the toys. How do you get word of those? Well, I actually have friends who tell me things and tell me about counties in Georgia that you know that need help. You know, mm -hmm. kids aren't going to get this, and and so I, I try to be you know, anonymous for obvious reasons. Guys, I think Santa may have just called the show under the name of Johnny. God bless you for what you do, Johnny. I think that's fantastic. Using that pilot's license for good, and it is a tradition because you're carrying on the spirit of what your father did, thinking of others, making folks happy. That's outstanding. Thanks, air quote, Johnny. So good to hear from you. 404-872-0750. Would love to hear from you and some of your Christmas traditions. No, they don't have to be garden related. We'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB.
Hey, we are here in the last month of the year. Welcome back. It's Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca, and I have back with me certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, friend of the show, helped me out a lot in my first year of the show here on WSB. Norm, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Ashley. Just spoke to you a few weeks ago. Didn't realize we'd have you back so soon, but I'm glad because you and I have had conversations in the past about this. And oh my goodness, we love our landscaping friends. We really do. And we're proud of the industry. But the ones that have not had the proper training or certification, the fly-by-night guys performing something that to us is a big no-no on a very popular tree here in the metro Atlanta area. Boy, what is it, Norm? Well, I would say it's great murder. Yeah. But a lot of them begin their uh, process of turning back the crepe myrtles in December, which you can do. But the problem with that is, is if the weather warms up in this particular year, they're forecasting a mild winter. So you might encourage the crepe myrtle to wake up and start producing new growth that could get damaged in frost. You know, and it's and it's not only that, too, but it's one of those things that perpetuates itself. You know, well, I see my neighbors do it, so I'm going to do it. And then we're all in this habit of doing things incorrectly just because we've seen others do it, whether it's burning your Bermuda lawn, knocking off an entire crepe myrtle trunk right in the middle. Um, you and I have talked about that, too. When you make smart pruning cuts, you prune back to a growth point or, you know, prune a limb or a branch all the way back to the trunk. But why in the world do people think crepe myrtles are, you know, different than any other tree? Why would you just lob off the middle of the trunk? Because they respond so much after being trimmed that way. And people feel that, you know, they're after the bloom. So if you're lopping it off and it sends up 20 different growth points, at the end of which are going to have blooms, you're going to have more flowers. Whereas if you just leave it to its own vices, you may not have as many flowers. So part of that is in trying to stimulate more flowers on the tree. And a crepe myrtle, the good thing about that is it blooms on new wood. So even if you leave it and you don't have time to prune it, it's okay. It doesn't have to be pruned. It's going to put out new growth, you know, irregardless and give you those bright, puffy pink or purple or, or white blooms that you want. Um, but I had a friend, Rusty, as well, you know, who's an arborist, noticed some trees in Gwinnett County. And same thing. They were just cut off right at the, the middle of the trunk and just pulling his hair out. Like, who does this? Who allows this to happen? So what's a better alternative? How do we need to really think about being selective in how we prune? And, and pruning for height reduction, Norm? With crepe myrtles, you know, they can become very tall trees. So you have to every once in a while go in and thin it and reduce it. Again, you're always trying to do that going to growth points. But there, I will say that I have trimmed stems down, but knowing that the response that I wanted and achieved, that was fine. But just to arbitrarily go through and just whack them all at given heights, that's you know, not recommended. But typically what you want to do is go in and, and again, look for buds on the stems and trim just 
above those stems that you want because if you trim just below that then you're going to have all these little stubs at the very ends because the growth isn't going to happen at that point it's going to happen much lower so you create a lot of dead stubs on the great myrtles yeah it's pretty amazing folks when you look really closely and you see those buds coming out of the side of the limbs and the twigs that is going to be a new branch. That is going to be a flower, perhaps. You know, So that's why you want to cut just right above those. And then the energy goes kind of back into the branch and tells it, okay, I'm going to do my offshoot here. So that's great advice, Norm, just being really uh, particular and observant And you know, before you cut things. Um, I wanted to ask you a question, too, as I was leaving my mother's house in Woodstock the other day. She said, Ashley, my Vitex, my chaste tree in the front yard, it's maybe, I don't know, four to five feet tall. Um, but she's like, when do I cut that? And I said, I don't know. Let me ask Norm. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, well, actually, the best time to trim the Vitex, if you're wanting to reduce it, would be January, February. And naturally, a Vitex can send up a lot of sucker growth throughout the year. And those should be removed in the fall. Um, kind of want to leave them the early part of the year because you trim it off and the tree's going to send out a a replacement. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you wait until later in the years, late July and August, the tree is starting to think about shutting down. So it's not going to put out that responsive growth when you trim off the suckers. So doing the suckers earlier, but then actually the pruning at the end of January, February? That is correct. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, Vitex chased tree. To me, it looks like a really big oversized butterfly bush. But you know, and the fact that it's got tall, thin uh, purple blooms in the spring, a lot of them actually grow quite well along the interstates here in metro Atlanta. That's kind of one of the earlier ones you see blooming in March and April. Norm, we've covered crepe murder on our beloved crepe myrtle trees all over town and Vitex or Chase tree pruning. But the key to pruning, you know, you really kind of have control over the way a certain tree grows. And first and foremost, we want to remind folks, right tree, right place. You know, don't put something like a crepe myrtle that's so tall you know, it may not be in the first few years, but it's going to get so tall, it's going to rub the house. It's going to maybe hit power lines. So you really have to be mindful of how big that tree is going to get. But Norm, do talk about once we have established that we have the right size spot for a new tree we want to plant perhaps now. Um, when you're talking about pruning and directing the growth, how do we have control over that? It's a very simple idea. What you're trying to do is envision how the tree is going to grow and what it's going to eventually look like. And what you're doing is trimming to encourage direct the growth in a particular way to have that end result. And if you keep that in mind, whenever you're training your tree, that you're just redirecting the growth, that way you'll be making the proper cuts because you'll be trimming to those growth points and directing the the tree in the right direction rather than confusing the tree and having the tree make up its own mind as to how much growth and where to grow. Um, And that's what happens when you just dead cut a stem or branch is you send confused signals to the tree and so it just sends out multiple shoots in response rather than just continuing you know 
branching out in the way that you've laid out for it. Absolutely. And on a smaller scale, you talk about, you know, knockout rows is one of the one of the easiest things in my mind for folks to really learn pruning, because if you make some mistakes, those are oftentimes very forgiving. But, you know, always cutting right above an outward facing bud, because like I said, that's going to be a new growth point. That's going to be a new limb or twig. And if it's facing outward already, then the branch is going to go outward. And what you don't want to create is growth points pointed in towards the middle of the bush or the middle of the tree, because then all those limbs are going to be crossing one another and no airflow, and we just don't want that, right, Norm? <laughs> that is correct. You moved to the top of the class. Yay! I passed. I passed. <laughs> well, buddy, I appreciate you coming back on the show. Always love hearing from you and your expertise and your knowledge. A certified aesthetic pruner, Norm Mitleider, thank you so much. My pleasure, Ashley. We'll be back. You're listening to Green and Growing. Thanks for being here on 95.5 WSB. Here we are live in the studio on a Saturday morning. Thank you for waking up to Green and Growing right here on your radio, 95.5 WSB. I'm Ashley Frasca here with you until 9 o'clock. Of course, taking all of your garden questions and your garden calls, 404 750 But also moving to the front of the line are your calls about your Christmas traditions. I didn't have too many growing up. Um, but some of you with larger families, some of you have generational traditions that you've always enjoyed. I would love to hear about those. Again, 404-872-0750. Up next, Patsy calling from Conyers. Good morning, Patsy. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. I can't wait to hear yours. Well, today is my husband. My husband and I. Anyway, it's our 50th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. You got married a week before Christmas. Wow. Tell me about your wedding 50 years ago. Well, I was a school teacher, so it was the end of the, you know, right before we started the Christmas break. And um, he was a student at Georgia State, so it worked out fine. But actually, if I can tell you, I moved down here from Nashville, Tennessee. He's from here. I was teaching. His sister was at the school I was at. He was in Vietnam. My brother had been in Vietnam. So I said, well, is it okay if I send him a letter or something? And I did in January. He came home in April, and we got married in December. Wow, that's a lot packed into 12 months. But you obviously made it work. <laughs> you yeah. were you were absolutely right for each other. Now, so if he was at Georgia State at the time, I mean, he was probably finishing up finals as y'all were getting ready the days leading up to the wedding, no? Well, he was in graduate school, okay. so we got that. But uh, And now we have three wonderful children and seven grandchildren, and everybody's coming today, and I'm making suits, so that's why I'm up this early, although I do listen to you every Saturday morning. I appreciate wow. your show. Oh, my gosh. Well, I appreciate you. And what's his name so we can give him a little love? He may still be asleep, though, right? No, he's white. Joe. Joe. Patsy and Joe's 50th wedding anniversary. Wow. So tell me, you know, if the kids are coming over and the grandkids, what are some of the traditions? I mean, a big meal. You said you're already cooking today. Yeah, we're doing, I, I do soups at Christmas. But I did want to tell you, now, prior to COVID, we would have them come and spend the night during the uh, month of December, the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And we would take them to, like, Target. Joe would save his change in the from the year, you know, spending money. And then we would take it, get the change turned into dollar bills, and then give each one of them a certain amount of money that they could go buy toys for Todd. Oh, and gosh, that's a great idea. It, it was a lot of fun to see them. 
sometimes they're and then we would go the next morning we would go on friday nights and buy the toys and then on saturday morning we would take them to our local public and turn them you know put them in the box and yeah the faces weren't too happy when they had to let their present put in the box but anyway oh patsy well happy anniversary and merry christmas have a great weekend with your family for sure thank you very much and thank you for yes thank you wow wishing you all the best this christmas for sure so that's a great idea folks what i took away from that is a perseverance make a marriage work for you for 50 years but keeping the change throughout the whole year and putting it to good use teaching children the meaning of Christmas, you know, of course, children are going to pick out the presents. If you say you're shopping for someone your age, a little boy, a little girl, they're going to pick out the things that they think that child their age is going to most love. And how fulfilling is that? You know, and I just kind of figured out uh, the whole mission of shop with a cop. You know, and I had not participated in that particular uh, campaign each Christmas, but had a lot of friends this year that did, and they were able to, you know, be back out in the stores shopping and all of that. And kind of the concept with Shop with a Cop and your local, you know, police departments too, is them taking these children and allowing them to shop for their families and their siblings, you know, if they're on financially just hard times, um, showing children that it's not just about themselves, but them going through the Walmart stores and picking out gifts for their family and the pride and the joy that, you know, you get from giving gifts, of course, receiving, but giving them as well. And I think the the earlier you instill that into children, that is fantastic. 404-872-0750. We'll certainly pepper your calls in throughout the show today until nine o'clock this morning with your Christmas traditions. But now it's time for this. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So one of the things to think about, you know, this time of year is best to plant trees and shrubs. And my gosh, you've had plenty of opportunity with the weather being as great as it has been. Uh, But protect those trees, especially when they're still young and the trunks aren't too big around from uh, damage from deer. uh, Heavy winds may be blowing them over if they're not properly planted at the right depth. Um, and mouse damage. I mean, you just never know. So thinking about being creative using wire, mesh, trunk guards. Uh, folks even get kind of creative with PVC piping, um, especially if you have deer that rut against the trees. Really thinking about ways to protect those and keeping an eye on them too. Uh, building any kind of fencing or whatever is necessary for the tree to be able to grow uh, just to protect those. But keeping in mind, if you put something that close around the trunk, Keeping a, an eye on it, make sure that it doesn't outgrow, you know, the, the PVC pipe you have around it or something like that. Stay on top of that. Uh, number two, a lofty one, but making your own mulch. I kind of like this idea of renting a chipper shredder and turn small branches and woody perennial stems into mulch. You could do that yourself, and that kind of picks up yard debris, too. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone um, from one of the uh, heavy storms that we had after the the tornadoes moved through Kentucky we got the rain the next day and the winds were pretty powerful so knocked down a lot of branches in my yard and uh, I think I may put my husband to work make make mulch Uh, number three keep poinsettias happy and this goes for all house plants as well Um, you you too can can keep house plants alive I don't want to hear this I have a brown thumb I kill everything really keeping it very simple when the soil's dry and you stick your finger in there it needs water But if you just watered it a few days ago, its light requirements aren't a whole lot. Um, It's slowing down the growth process right now. So, you know, it'll hold on to to water a little longer this time of year so you don't have to water it as often. But that's it. Just only water it when it's dry. 
Don't leave poinsettias, especially but any houseplants, really, in standing water. So be mindful of those poinsettias when they come in the foil-wrapped thing around the pot. Uh, when you water, you know, at the top of the soil level, all that water is going to come down through the holes of the pot and then just sit in that foil. So make sure to empty that or the saucer so they're not left in standing water. Don't have houseplants or poinsettias by extreme heat or cold. Um, they like pretty pretty moderate temperatures, something pretty basic. Uh, of course, have them in the right place for the light that they require, but not really near vents. Um, if the heat is running all the time, it's going to dry them out. You may start to see some spots on the leaves or drafty doors or windows, given that we think the weather's going to get cold again. Um, drafty doors and windows, you know, especially overnight when it gets to be 30, 40 degrees, that's going to be detrimental to the plant as well. And if you're overwatering too, this is something that a lot of you uh, send in questions about when you start to freak out. You know, some of the leaves are yellowing. And then they brown, and then the plant drops the leaves. That could be an indication of too much water. But also keep in mind this time of year, a lot of that is just natural. It's natural for them to just expend some of the energy, drop some leaves, and then there'll be an active growth in the spring, putting on a lot of new growth. 404-872-0750. When we come back, Dr. David Coyle from Clemson University. I want to congratulate him on uh, making the New York Times. And what is going on with Bradford Pears, where we stand with a campaign against an awful tree. You'll learn a lot from him coming up at 7 o'clock. 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.